Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. How we sounding, Mr. Producer? Good? Phenomenal. Hope you had a good weekend. This is our Thanksgiving week. Uh, You know, we vote for like a month, but we celebrate Thanksgiving once. Our blessings we celebrate once officially. But we vote off and on for like uh, two months. Very weird. And, you know, I go through all the news. A lot of it's depressing. Think about things, mull them over, noodle over them to try and try and figure out what exactly is going on or what exactly we need to do so we can uh, talk about these things. And one thing is incredible. Every Sunday show... Every, virtually, website, every event is about Trump. Every one of them. Every one of them. And even more than that, they're all pushing to get him indicted. All of them. You have even a very rarely watched show called Firing Line. They stole the title from Bill Buckley uh, with a Yenta who runs the thing, Hoover. Her grandfather, her great-grandfather was Herbert Hoover, so she's qualified. And uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr is on there. Now, why do you think he's on there? Does anybody really care what he has to say? No. Nobody cares what Bill Barr has to say, but they know what he's going to say about Donald Trump. And Bill Barr is very, very angry. So he wants to see Donald Trump in federal prison. Think about that. 
Think about that. And so they think that by bringing him on, that will resonate with the bureaucrats over at the Department of Justice, because after all, he ran that place twice. Then over on Deface the Nation, we have Zoe Lofgren. Remember her? Very pretty lady, that Zoe, from uh, San Jose, California. And she says, we're going to release all the evidence, the J6 committee. It's going to show that Trump was the center of the overthrow of the government. Oh, okay. Then they have Adam Schiff on this week. He's just piling on, you know, Moscow Adam. He says, of course you can indict him, and they should indict him, and it's good that there's a special counsel, and of course he used Twitter to incite the attack on the Capitol. And then you have head case Adam Kingsinger on the Constipated News Network. How's that? for a diversity of opinion. And all of them want Trump indicted. Then you go to the Hill newspaper, which is a creature of the Hill, and they talk to experts who say, well, of course Trump should be indicted, and of course there's enough evidence to indict him. Wow. National Review, legal analyst, Andy McCarthy, well, of course, he's invited the indictments. Say what? Oh, yeah. He invited them, don't you know? All of them. Out of Manhattan, out of Atlanta, uh, yes, out of Washington. I mean, they told us to put all this stuff behind us, but they won't stop talking about this. In fact, they won't stop promoting this. And then we have the special counsel who, who is admired and promoted by Media Matters. Now, what does that tell you? So they must know something about this guy that we don't, but we know a little bit more thanks to independent conservative media. Post-millennial, great site. Joshua Young, wife of Trump's special counsel, produced Michelle Obama documentary and donated thousands to the Biden campaign. Oh, my goodness. Now, anytime Ginny Thomas does anything, they blame her and Clarence Thomas. Remember? He must recuse himself. Oh, my God. But here... We have a special counsel. And remember on Friday when they announced it? Remember when the Attorney General of the United States, Meritless Garland, talked about the man's credentials? Oh, he prosecutes war crimes. What the heck? Oh, excuse me, we're talking about a document case. Doesn't matter. Oh, and he was an assistant U.S. attorney and a deputy assistant associate district attorney and he was a special prosecutor and a special... Oh, my God, this guy, he's got the creds. Oh, my God. FEC records reveal that the wife of supposedly impartial special counsel Biden Attorney General Merrick Garland's tapped to investigate Trump donated at least $2,000 to Joe Biden's presidential campaign two years ago. On Friday, U.S. Attorney General Meritless Garland announced that Jack Smith, Jack Smith, a veteran career prosecutor, quote-unquote, would serve as special counsel to lead the ongoing investigations into Donald Trump being conducted by Biden's Department of Justice. And on Monday, today, records show Smith's wife, Kathy Chevigny, is a high-dollar donor, quote-unquote, to Joe Biden and contributed to various high-profile Democrat efforts. On Twitter, Henry Rogers tweeted a screen grab 
showing that Caddy, that, uh, what is her name? Yeah, Caddy Cavigny, through her production company, Big Mouth Productions, gave $2,000 to the Biden for President campaign in 2020. MAGA War Room on Twitter wrote, Wow, the wife of Special Prosecutor Jack Smith was a high-dollar donor to Joe Biden's presidential campaign. Shevenyi also gave to anti-Semite squad member Congresswoman Rashid, Rashida Tlaib. Let me get this straight. So the special counsel's wife gave to Rashida Tlaib, the anti-Semites campaign, who's a Marxist? On Getter, journalist Paul Sperry wrote, Breaking, FEC records reveal the wife of the supposedly impartial special counsel, Biden Attorney General Merrick Garland, tapped to investigate Trump, donated at least 2000 to Joe Biden's presidential campaign in 2020. And Caddy Chevenyi, the wife of newly appointed special counsel Jack Smith, also gave money to Democratic Representative Rashida Tlaib. The Islamic member of the radical squad who said of Trump, we're going to impeach the Emmer. Oh. I'm sure for Jack Reed it was love at first sight. On IMDb, Kedishavinia is listed as a producer in the Michelle Obama documentary, Becoming. Should be called Unbecoming. On Friday, Garland said of Chevenier's husband, I signed an order appointing Jack Smith to serve as special counsel. The order authorizes him to continue the ongoing investigation into both of the matters that I've just described and to prosecute any federal crimes that may arise from those investigations. Mr. Smith is a veteran career prosecutor. And that move came only three days after Trump announced that he would be running for president in 2024. Now, ladies and gentlemen, so all these Trump haters were on the Sunday shows. All of these so-called news outlets have an enormous amount of money to conduct investigations. You ever see these New York Times pieces with like five reporters looking into some schlub? Five reporters? We're on the case, for God's sakes. We, we know. How is it that this special prosecutor's wife received no scrutiny? None. But there's more. The Daily Caller News Foundation, special counsel investigating Trump was key figure in IRS targeting scandal. Say what? Meritless Garland didn't mention this either. Neither did any of the major news, quote-unquote, outlets. Jack Smith, the special counsel appointed by Attorney General Meritless Garland to investigate former President Donald Trump, was a key figure in the IRS infamous targeting of conservative nonprofits, according to a 2014 report by Republicans on the House Oversight Committee. I would encourage the Republicans in the House to find out how this guy got appointed Jack Smith, because obviously he's a hack. On October 8, 2010, Smith, then chief of the Department of Justice Criminal Division's Public Integrity Section, that is a big deal. That's where all the investigations of public figures take place or are approved. Called a meeting with former IRS official Lois Lerner, quote, to discuss how the IRS could assist in the criminal enforcement of campaign finance laws against politically active nonprofits, quote unquote, according to testimony from Richard Pilger, then director of the section's election crimes branch and subordinate of Smith's to the Oversight Committee. Lerner eventually resigned from the IRS in 2015 following criticism over targeting conservative Tea Party groups when denying or delaying 
tax-exempt status. This seems egregious to me. Could we ever charge an 18 U.S.C. Section 371 conspiracy to violate laws of America for misuse of such nonprofits to get around existing campaign finance laws and limits? Smith wrote in the email to colleagues per the Oversight Committee. In other words, he really wanted to prosecute these conservative groups and Tea Party groups. Can't we figure out how to do it? We have 18 U.S.C. 371. Can't we use that? Can't we? Can't we? His email suggested that the department investigate conservative nonprofits that reportedly may have violated campaign finance laws, according to the New York Times. The impetus for the meeting was President Obama's public criticism of the Supreme Court ruling in Citizens United versus FEC, according to the report. The Times article described how 501 registered charities with ties to conservative lawmakers were receiving donations from corporations and interest groups. At the time, these groups were also lobbying the same lawmakers on Capitol Hill. The Times writing, Smith's meeting with Lerner shortly followed the article. Oh, this guy, he's, he's, he's really, really lousy. And Smith also urged the IRS to be more vigilant to the opportunities for more crime in the 501c4 area. IRS officials under Lerner were later involved in selecting groups with the words Tea Party, Patriot, or 912 in their names for audits. Following Lerner's meeting with Smith, the IRS's scrutiny of nonprofit 501c3 and c4 tax-exempt statuses applied by for these groups prevented them from fully participating in the 2012 presidential election involving Obama. Lerner later resigned, of course, and pled the fifth when questioned about her actions. Smith and his team had serious conflicts of interest stemming from their interaction with the IRS, the report alleged. He was also leader, Smith, of former Republican Bob McDonald, Governor Bob McDonald of Virginia, on federal corruption charges in 2014 for accepting gifts from a lobbyist that he later repaid. The U.S. Supreme Court unanimously reversed his conviction in 2016, and all charges were later dismissed, though commentators have argued that the conviction stopped him from running for president in 2016. Now, many of you may not know this, even though we discussed it at the time. This was such an overreach to go after Bob McDonald for taking gifts, which, by the way, was legal in the state of Virginia. It was such an outrageous case that was brought against him that the entirety of the Supreme Court threw it out. Nine to zero. It wasn't even close. That shows you what we're dealing with here in Jack Smith. In his role as special counsel, Smith will oversee two investigations into Trump, one regarding, we know what they are. So here we have a guy, ladies and gentlemen, whose family, his family, Gave thousands of dollars to the Biden campaign <clears throat> who wanted to prosecute Tea Party groups and conservative groups under Lois Lerner's watch. Went after Governor Bob McDonald of Virginia in what is considered a horrendous case and even tried to turn his wife against him. And this is the guy that's picked by the Biden administration to go after Donald Trump. And then all the cheerleading on TV, because it's clear this hack reads the press, looks at the press. Oh, look, we looked at the New York Times about these conservative and Tea Party groups listening to the likes of a Bill Barr, a Zoe Lofgren, and Adam Schiff, 
listening to Adam Kingsinger. It's disgusting. All weekend long, this has been going on. All weekend long. They don't want to talk about the Biden crime family, even there when it comes to the Republican. Can you believe they want to investigate them? Like, come on. Inflation, you know, the price of, uh, of, of quiches right through the rear, you know. I got more. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Here's Bill Barr on Firing Line Friday. None of you saw it. Cut one, go. You know, if a former president commits a crime, you know, especially a serious crime, uh, they should be indicted for it. If the Department of Justice can show that these were indeed very sensitive documents, which I think they probably were, and also show that the president consciously was involved in misleading the department, deceiving the government, um, and playing games after he had received the subpoena for the documents, that, those are serious charges. That's a serious. That's, serious. that's a serious. Well, I, I said that I, I personally think that they probably have the basis for legitimately indicting the president. I don't know. I'm speculating. There you go. There you go. He's speculating, but hey, what the hell? Why not say it on national TV, even if nobody watches it? Because it'll be transcribed, and he and I both know it'll be sent to the Attorney General of the United States. Here's my take, Bill. This is really small potato stuff, and you and I both know it. And to be charging a president with some kind of an offense related to documents for which nothing was done to those documents, they were secured and protected, is an outrage. And you're an outrage. I'll be right back. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. 
My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. You know, people often ask me, in fact, a lot of times they ask me, what is my favorite book that I wrote out of the nine books? Well, my favorite book is Rescuing Sprite. And they say, I don't mean that, I mean it of your other books. My number one favorite book that I've written is American Marxism. That's going to surprise a lot of you. Liberty and Tyranny would come second. And then all the others are very, very important substantively, and I'd have them all at that tier. But American Marxism was the most difficult book for me to write, and um, I think the most important and relevant book about exactly what's taking place in America today. And it's been proven right time and time and time and time again. These people do not believe in this country. They do not believe in unalienable rights for the individual. They do not believe in the Renaissance, in the basis, the foundational bases for Western civilization. They do not. They get their ideology from a mix of Rousseau and Hegel and Marx, and they don't even know it, some of them. Which is why I call it American Marxism and not Marxism. And they try and make it sound really, really cool or comforting or humane, which is what the Marxist revolutionaries always do. And they always have to have a devil figure or devil figures. And that's why you heard Joe Biden running around like a homeless mental patient going on about uh, mega mega um, semi-fascist. We're going to lose democracy, and of course, it's preposterous what they say. It's preposterous what the media hacks have to say. And it's only getting worse. There is an MSNBC panelist, whatever that is, by the name of Danielle Moody Mills. And in addition to the war that continues on Trump, an ex-president, there's a war on Elon Musk. All of a sudden, the world's wealthiest man is the world's dumbest man. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to run a business. He tells people to get to work, so he's way out of line. And on and on and on. And you have to hear this from people who don't know how to make two nickels. Or who have cushy jobs in some studio at one of these reprobate media outlets. So Musk reinstated Trump on Twitter. He asked for a vote online. He got an enormous response. And Trump won. But you see, what the left does, whether it's Trump or it could be anybody else, it could be any subject, is it tries to create devils. 
So anything, anyone, any issue related to Trump is devilish. It's evil. You cross that line, no matter how you do it, even if you're a radical leftist, say, you know, now and then I agree with Trump, ah, that's it. Or I didn't like Trump, but I agree with this policy, ah, that's it. But it's not just Trump. It's going to be Kevin McCarthy by the time they're done, as it was Newt Gingrich. As it was Newt Gingrich. And then they promote the Republicans that they insist, or the conservatives that they insist you ought to embrace. Now it's Bill Barr. They hated Bill Barr. Because Bill Barr has made a clean, well, not so clean, but a complete break from his recent past. I often wonder, if Barr really thought this of Trump, why didn't he resign much earlier, Mr. Producer? Why did he wait so long? And then come out with a book. Ooh, one wonders. You'll notice none of my books is about individuals, individuals I've worked for or with. No telltale stuff, none of it. I won't put up with it. I have a great admiration for Mike Pence. I do. I've known Mike Pence much longer than I've known Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or most of these other figures. It's been a rock-ribbed conservative. It's always been nice to us, my family. I like him a lot. But I won't have him on to talk about his book. Now, he has told me most of his book isn't even about January 6th and Trump in that respect. I understand that. But that's the entire focus, and that's what's on the back flap of the book. Moving forward, I thought. Let's move forward. Except when we move backwards. And I think Mike has been used by the big media... Uh, to exploit this situation. They don't ask him what he was doing the summer of 2020 when the riots were taking place. They don't ask him, were you in the White House when they attacked the White House from Lafayette Park and Tifa and others to try and attack the President of the United States? They don't ask him that question. They don't get into Black Lives Matter with Mike. They don't get into any of these things with Mike. No, they just want to they want to use him to attack Trump. Much like when his when his chief, uh, Mark Short, shows up on TV and so forth, they're not really interested in what he thinks substantively and from a policy perspective. He's asked about Trump. He's an expert on Trump. So how am I supposed to avoid talking about this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, when it's in our face day in and day out? What do you want me to do? Talk about Larry Hogan? Or Chris Christie, who keeps showing up at these Republican events? Well, they always have to, you know, fumigate the microphone when he's done with all that slob coming out of his mouth. It's just easy to do. Anyway, back to uh, these, these sites. Danielle Moody Mills. Ever hear of Danielle Moody Mills? Of course not. Who is she? She's nobody. But she's on MSNBC. She's on a panel. It's like Scarborough. What's Scarborough? He's a failed ex-congressman, a failed radio host, really a failed TV host. Well, then he's perfect, got a perfect resume. By the way, Al Sharpton over there at MSLSD, look at his resume, such as it is. A lot of violence on that resume, a lot of racism on that resume. And he's making out very, very well from what I'm reading lately. You notice that, Mr. Producer? 
massive salary increase and man oh man of shepherds has America been good to Al who literally comes to the table with nothing much like Scarborough anyway Danielle Moody Mills on Musk reinstating Trump on Twitter this is a big issue all weekend long what my god he's doing what we believe in free speech yeah free speech Free for we, not for thee. Cut eight, go. Danielle, your thoughts on, on the Trump reinstated back to Twitter with, uh, with Elon Musk. Joking aside, how do, you, uh, how do you see this? I mean, you can joke if well, you want. I'm just saying, like, I'm giving it to you however you want to take. Listen, listen, it could be really a fun time. We can joke. We can have a grand old time here, you know, as we do on uh, MSNBC. Oh, we're full of laughs here. I got I to gotta be honest with you. You know, they don't understand. You are jokes. Let's hear from Danielle Moody Mills, for crying out loud. Everybody's on the edge of their seat. This is why you guys get no ratings. Go ahead. I will, I will give it back straight, which is that I'm absolutely disgusted. But oh, well, I'm sorry. You're disgusted? I'm sorry. She's disgusted, America. That the man who just bought Twitter put Trump back on after taking a vote. Mills is disgusted. That's too bad. Go ahead. From very white, privileged, cis, hetero men protecting each other because we always mistake wealth and inheritance for genius. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. He's what? What is cis, Mr. Producer? Do you know? Straight? Well, why don't they just say straight? What does cis stand for? Nobody knows. It's like LBGTQ plus. Oh, we skip one. LGBTQ, whatever. Plus, you know, just in case. Plus what? Um, but look at this. You see, these men are white, cis, hetero men protecting each other. Very articulate. And over there at MSLSD, they already got rid of one reprobate, but how are they going to get rid of scores of them over there? How are they going to get... Danielle Moody Mills. What do you expect? What what do you expect here? I'm going to shoot straight, man. I'm going to tell you what. I'm disgusted. What else do we expect from very white, privileged white men, that's white twice, protecting each other? Because we always mistake wealth and inheritance for genius. No, I've always mistaken poverty. And stupidity for genius. How much you, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. Elon Musk gets what he wants, his buddy back on the air, in order to finish burning down democracy while he finishes burning down the town square. Wow. She's so effective and profound. First of all, lady, you burn down the English language. Secondly, you burn down logic. Thirdly, you're a moron. May I say moron? I don't know your race. I don't know your sex. I don't know what you do with your genitalia. I don't care. You're an idiot. But that, again, is why you're on with whoever the moron host is on MSLSD on Sunday. So all you white straight men out there, I'm sure she's disgusted with you. White cis hetero men protecting each other. You see, racism against white people, particularly straight white people, particularly straight white men, 
isn't racism. It's knowledge. It's profundity. It's just history. That's all. Get used to it. It's important. She's on a panel on MSNBC. She's on a panel on MSNBC. Why doesn't she complain about the board of directors at Comcast that owns MSNBC? I understand there's an awful lot of very white cis hetero men on there protecting each other, Mr. Producer. In fact, they just hired a very white cis heterosexual man to take over Disney again. Higer, left-wing crackpot, who's going to woke the hell out of the company. Then we have Anan Jiridahardas, if that is her name, assuming it's a her, I, honestly, I don't know. Oh, excuse me, it's a he. Ooh. Well, no offense intended, but of course, I couldn't have offended anyway, because gender doesn't matter. Anan Jiridahardas, Aradas, whatever. He's a MSNBC political analyst, as opposed to merely a panelist. Go ahead. First of all, I think something we often forget as Americans is that billionaires exist as a class of people who have that much money at our collective pleasure. Right. It is a policy choice to allow some people to accumulate that much money, hundreds of billions of dollars in the case of people in the United States, before everybody has the chance to live with dignity. There you go. A little Marxist friend. Anon Our little Marxist friend, Mr. Producer. He's wealthy because we've allowed him to be wealthy. You understand? Now, this is one of the clowns that wanted to eliminate Fox News, one of a conga line of phony media types. We need to go beyond their advertisers. We need to lobby the platforms cable are on the platform providers to get rid of Fox. It's not enough. We've tried to wipe out their advertisers. Now we got to wipe out their platform. They did this with OAN, by the way, on satellite. So Anand Giraharadas, let me tell you something, pal. You talk about their billionaires because they have a right that we give to them. You're on air because it's a right that we give to you. Loser putzes who do not believe in this country or liberty and who are always trying to destroy successful people, clowns like you, asses like you are on air because we allow you. You understand? Who does he think he is? And what did Elon Musk do to offend us so deeply? He took what is clearly a radical left-wing Democrat Party platform, bought it, and is changing the entire mission to free speech, open debate and dialogue. Well, a non he can't allow that. And of course, Danielle Moody Mills, she just hates all straight white men. That's all. So they give her a platform to spew her poison. You wonder why there's a lot of hate and division in this country? The media, number one suspect. Danielle Moody Mills, Ananda Yabadabadoo. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I feel this little project I'm working on, which will consume enormous amounts of my time when I'm not on radio, not on TV, um, is very, very, very critical now more than ever. What happens under those circumstances is I try to move more quickly. And so it is a very important book project that I'm working on. I'm not allowed to tell you anything by contract, uh, so I won't, same as in the past, but um, I don't know why I started telling you this, it's just something front of mind. I take notes even during the breaks in the show to myself to make sure I get into certain subject matters or try to research them and explore them uh, to try and get to the bottom of certain things. So I always invite you into a lot of what I'm doing, and that is a lot of what I'm doing. And for those who have asked and prayed, I want to thank you. I think COVID is completely over now. Now, I'm much more tired than I used to be in spurts. I know that sounds weird. Or in lulls. So I'll be going 100 miles an hour, and then all of a sudden, all right, I, I got to stop. So things like that. But other than that, Oh, I grew a new uh, pair of uh, breasts, Mr. Producer. Now there's a... Wait a minute. No, no. Actually, uh, I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I haven't gotten into the issues of who I support for what. or anything. That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about justice. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about equality under the law. I'm talking about our founding principles. When you hear me talk about those things, that is what I'm focused on. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. 
We are here together for one purpose and only one purpose, Mission America. I want to read something to you. Then I want to get on to a few other things. From our schools and entertainment to the media and government, we are witnessing the onslaught of repressive actions, including threats, censorship, character assassination, and the demand for more of it. In fact, banning people, speech, words, broadcasts, social media access, redefining language, history, knowledge, and science, all of which are occurring or pursued in our current culture and environment, are the trademarks of totalitarianism. So, too, is the routine and unchallenged abuse of power and undermining of republicanism and constitutionalism by Joe Biden, who legislates via executive orders, thereby bypassing Congress and the Constitution's checks and balances, to institute fundamental change to American society without input from the people's representatives in Congress or the people themselves. Or the efforts of Democrat Party congressional leaders such as Speaker Pelosi and Schumer to baldly threaten the independence of the judiciary in order to influence the outcome of legal decisions and to further their ideological and political agenda. And the collective actions by the Democratic leadership in both elected branches of the federal government to radically alter the electoral process throughout the country to ensure the Democratic Party rarely, if ever, loses its power to rule. And plus, with the smallest majority in the House in decades and a tied Senate 50-50, they seek to stack the Senate with several additional Democrat seats and eliminate the filibuster rule, the purpose of which is to impose radical changes on the nation without broad support from representatives of other parts of the country. Yet it is the opponents of this tyranny who are labeled, often successfully, as the offenders of civil liberties and human rights, obstructors of progress, and foes of the people by the actual offenders, for the latter have already devoured most of the instrumentalities of the state and the culture and dominate the narrative. In his book Double Talk, The Language of Communism, Harry Hodgkinson's wrote, and I quote, Language was to mark marks the direct reality of thought. Ideas do not exist divorced from it. And for Joseph Stalin, the reality of thought manifests itself in language. Words are tools as well as weapons, each fashioned by a precise function. The language of communism is not so much a means of explaining to an unbeliever what communism means, this is important, but an armory of weapons and tools intended to produce support or dissolve opposition to communist policies on the part of people either hostile or indifferent to them. The meaning of a communist word is not what you think it says, but what effect it is intended to produce. And writes Hodgkinson, to communists, a majority has no particular sanctity and is called upon to do not what it wishes, but what its duty before the court of history says. Choice between parties is a drab formality of bourgeois democracy. Democracy is generally used with a qualifying adjective. Like, you know, democratic socialist or whatever. So the wave of repression sweeping our nation is not unlike the earliest days of the French, Russian, and Chinese revolutions, among others. All were promoted as popular movements and people's revolutions intended to establish Rousseauian communalism or Marxist egalitarianism. But that is where the similarity ends. These revolutions were sold as liberation movements, 
where the masses or the proletariat would rise up against the governing tyranny and corrupt society. They became genocidal police states. Of course, unlike these other governments and societies, America is a constitutional representative republic, not a monarchy or other form of dictatorship. There's no widespread dissatisfaction in the country with the government and the form of the government. In fact, most Americans are patriotic and revere the country. But the, false, the forces of false liberation today are led by fanatical ideologues and activists who are the real purveyors of tyranny and even totalitarianism. They use propaganda, sabotage, and subversion in an effort to demoralize, destabilize, and ultimately destroy the existing society and culture. It is they who are repressing the liberties of their fellow citizens through what is loosely called wokeism or the cancel culture. It is they who demand conformity of thought by banning different views from, from social media. It is they who use the false narrative of oppressors and oppressed to stigmatize those who claim as part of white-dominated culture and silence the voices of fellow citizens. It is they who are banning words, books, products, movies, and historical symbols. It is they who are destroying the careers of doubters and boycotting the businesses of nonconformists. It is they who are undermining academic freedom and intellectual curiosity through fear and intimidation. It is they who are distorting American history and brainwashing students. And it is they who demand the deplatforming of cable news networks and the muzzling of hosts. And it is they who are using and promoting racism, sexism, ageism, etc. as weapons of disunity and rebellion while claiming to want to end them. Even worse... They're using America's freedom to destroy freedom and the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. That's a giveaway line. And as their poison spreads throughout the culture, the intent is to sow doubt about the country, dispirit the citizenry, and soften the public's innate and reasoned resistance to the point of acquiescence to the tyranny of the Marxist-inspired and related domestic movements. The last several paragraphs, chapter 6 of American Marxism. That is exactly what's taking place. Now, interestingly enough, I know one senator has read the book. Others have claimed to, but I know one has, and that's Ron Johnson. And he was running against a Marxist, Mandela Barrett. And he came on the show, Barnes rather, Mandela Barnes. And he came on the show several times. And at least twice he mentioned the book, and he mentioned that he uses it on the campaign trail. You're not going to hear a Chris Christie talk about this. He's going to talk about Trump. You're not going to hear a Larry Hogan talk about this. He's going to talk about Trump. You will hear a Ron DeSantis talk about this, because he's smart, because he sees what's going on in the country and what's been attempted in his own state. But the average Republican office holder has no idea what I'm talking about. Or it does, but doesn't have the guts to stand up to it. And so just as they seek to literally put Donald Trump in prison, they will seek to destroy Ron DeSantis. Because these guys are onto them. They're onto them. American Marxism has made great progress toward instituting its goals over the last several years. It's to be defeated, as it must, albeit daunting and complex, 
its existence must first be acknowledged and labeled for what it is. You've got conservative hosts all over TV who refuse to use the phrase. They'll use progressive or liberal or radical. They will not use the right words. What I just read to you. That that's what the Marxist wants. They control the language. Well, don't allow them to. But the urgency of the moment must be realized and the emergence of a unified patriotic front, a previously docile, divergent, and or disputatious societal, cultural, and political factions and forces, which have common their belief that America is worth defending, must immediately galvanize around and rally to the cause. We must rise to the challenge, as did our founding fathers, when they confronted the most powerful force on earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. In numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine, as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. Nonetheless, I fervently believe America, as we know it, will, will be forever lost if we do not prevail. Now that's on the back cover of my book, not January 6th. Not January 6th. That's on the back cover of my book. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, been itching to talk to you about, is this firebomber lawyer. And what happened to the firebomber lawyer? Remember this person? as explained by Nick Adams and many others at Red State, it's all over. You may recall the story of the two young New York lawyers, Arouj Rahman and Cullenford Mattis, who were involved in a firebomb attack on the NYPD van during the BLM rioting in New York City on May 30, 2020. I wonder if this is in the January 6th report. I seriously doubt it. What was unusual about the case was that rather than be chastised for their actions, they seem to get favorable coverage from left-wing media because of their elite connections. Quote, the accused enjoy widespread support and sympathy from New York's legal and media elites. Rahman is represented by one of the city's best defense attorneys and former Obama administration official guaranteed her bail in the amount of $250,000. Both have been the subject of favorable profiles in the New York Magazine and NPR, among other venues. Did anybody on January 6th firebomb a police car with a Molotov cocktail? Anybody? Yahoo News even ran a false story claiming they faced 45 years for vandalism. Rahman was sentenced this past Friday. The two had both originally pled guilty back in 2020 and faced a possible 10-year sentence with a terrorism enhancement. But then the Biden Justice Department intervened. Garland and the gang. In mid-May, the same career Department of Justice prosecutors who argued for the 10-year sentence were back in court withdrawing their plea deal and entering a new one that allowed the defendants to cop to the lesser charge of conspiracy. And it tosses out the terrorism enhancement entirely. Under the new charge, then when they only faced a maximum of five years. In the case of Yeruz Rahman, the Biden Justice Department was only recommending 18 to 24 month term. Based on the history and personal characteristics of the defendant. And by the way, they did not know that vehicle was empty when they firebombed it. 
They did not know it was empty. Even then, the ultimate sentence that she was given on Friday was only 15 months. 15 months, lower than the 18 to 24 month term. With two years of supervised release. Not only were they involved in the firebomb attack, but a witness also said that Rahman was trying to distribute other devices to people. She gave an interview on the day of the attack saying, the only way they hear us is through violence. It wouldn't ever stop unless we effing take it all down. From the New York Post, I hope they burn everything down, Rahman told Mattis in a message hours before protest form. Need to burn all the police stations down, probably all the courts too. When Rahman joined protesters that night, she wrote to Mattis, throwing bottles and tear gas, lit some fires but were put out, fireworks going on, and the Molotovs rolling. Go burn down one PP. She responded, bring it to their neck. That's a police station. So even announced with a smiley face, emoji, that her rock had struck a police officer, according to prosecutors. Her attorneys claimed that she, she should get a lighter sentence because of her commitment to social justice. And she said she had unprocessed trauma from being a Muslim after 9-11. Yeah, a lot of us white, straight, hetero guys did too, by the way. Those are the people for whom the Department of Justice intervened. You understand she could have faced 10 years and and Biden's Department of Justice intervened and she got 15 months for throwing Molotov cocktails? James Trusty, good man, former prosecutor, Department of Justice Criminal Division, told the Washington Free Beacon that Rahman received extraordinarily unusual treatment by the DOJ. I have a hard time thinking general deterrence is well served by swapping in a soft plea agreement to justify light treatment for someone who bombed a police car, he said. This same Department of Justice would likely take quite a different stance if this had been a defendant throwing Molotov cocktails in Washington on January 6th. Now that is my point that I wish to highlight. There's a Washington jail filled, filled to the brim with paraders and trespassers from 9-11. There are people serving multiple years who went into the Capitol building when the door was open but didn't do any damage and left 30 seconds later. They're in jail for years. We have a judge by the name of Walton, Reggie Walton, who compared Trump to the Nazis and Third Reich and said it was understandable that people would be brainwashed this way in so many words. That same Justice Department, that same justice system, judges, gave somebody who threw a firebomb, let me help Judge Walton, you know, like on Kristallnacht, you understand what Kristallnacht is, Judge? I'm sure you read up on that, maybe not. Who threw a Molotov cocktail at a police car that that individual didn't even know was empty and confessed to throwing a brick and hitting a police officer and wanting to burn the whole damn place down. And she's doing less time than the majority of the people who are in jail from January 6th. And it's the same Department of Justice. 
Equality under the law does not exist. You know damn well if a Molotov cocktails were thrown that day on January 6th, or if buildings were burned that day on January 6th, or somebody was actually murdered that day on January 6th, and they were not, except for the protester who was killed in cold blood. Then you never hear the end of it. But as it is, you never hear the end of it. This is a disgusting outrage. I'll be right back. Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values, and I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes go to puretalk.com and our promo code levin podcast that's l-e-v-i-n podcast to save 50 percent off your first month again puretalk.com and enter promo code levin podcast now contrast that last story with how the biden administration stepped in to ensure that the the criminal didn't get 10 years but 15 months for throwing Molotov cocktails at police and police vehicles. Now listen to this, Jazz Shaw at the Hot Air. Ohio, January 6th, man gets three years after stealing a coat rack. The latest in our ongoing series covering January 6th rioters who've been arrested, convicted, and sentenced deals with Dustin Thompson of Ohio, who faced the music yesterday, like many others. Thompson was not among the front ranks of rioters who broke down windows and doors, damaging Capitol property, nor did he get into any sort of physical altercation with the with the Capitol Hill police. But this story does have one twist that adds another layer to his nefarious activities on that fateful day. He confessed to stealing some things from the Senate parliamentarian's office. Two things, to be precise... And that clearly moves him up closer to the top of the most wanted list. Really nothing. A coat rack. I'll be right back. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data. Just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. 
I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to Pure Talk, too. They're my guys. Switch to Pure Talk in less than 10 minutes. Go to puretalk.com and our promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Mark Levin speaking to the four out of five Americans who are literate at 877 381 3811. So this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, they had the Republican Jewish Coalition in Las Vegas. I spoke there last year. I was too sick this year to go. I want to thank them for inviting me. That said, Ron DeSantis got by far the greatest applause by the people in the audience, including very wealthy people, average people, young people, old people, standing ovation. They would eventually come up to the stage to shake his hand like he's a rock star. Nobody else got treatment like that. That's not reported in the media. What's reported is that Chris Christie got some marvelous ovation. I have it on first-hand knowledge that about a third of the audience clapped for Chris Christie. Now, here's one of the things that Chris Christie said at the Republican Jewish Coalition meeting. Go. We keep losing and losing and losing. And the fact of the matter is the reason we're losing is because Donald Trump has put himself before everybody else. So let's stop. Yeah, there's some smattering of applause, but that's not the point. You go to an event like this, you want to talk about the country, you know you want to run for president. And that is your marquee statement. That's your marquee statement. That's the statement of a simpleton. That's not what Ron DeSantis said there. That's not what he said at the Republican Jewish Coalition. And he got more votes from the Jewish community in Florida whether in Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, or the rest of the state, than any Republican in the history of Florida. He got an enormous number of Hispanic votes. And much better than normal black votes. What did he do? See, this is the difference between a leader and a statesman and a Chris Christie. He goes to the Republican Jewish Coalition. Now, what's going on in this country that we've talked about here that even the, the useless FBI director talked about the other day? What's going on in the country? And you're my brothers and sisters out there, regardless of your backgrounds, faith, preferences, whatever it is. If you believe in liberty, you're with me and I'm with you. There is a horrendous skyrocketing on the number of assaults and hate crimes against Jews in this country and worldwide, but in this country. 65% of all racial or ethnic-based attacks are on Jews in this country. 
And they make up a very tiny percentage of the overall population of 330 million people. Very small. And this is for a lot of reasons. It's open immigration. A lot of people coming from the Middle East who've been indoctrinated to hate Jews. Listen to Talib, second generation Palestinian. Listen to what she says. Listen to Omar, first generation. You've got that going on. You have the Marxists who have always been Jew haters. Always. And of course you have on the left a lot of self-hating Jews too, I might add, that set up these organizations which are intended to undermine Jews and Israel. And a lot of you are looking at me right now, looking at your radio with cross eyes. I can't help it. This is true. But you go to the Republican Jewish Coalition and you don't get into these issues? You get into Donald Trump? That's what Christie does. That's why he can never be president. He can never be a statesman. He doesn't lead. He's not the point of the spear. He watches the media and he tries to tailor his comments so that they are promoted in the media so he can get attention. Because nobody's thinking of Chris Christie. Nobody can even think of one thing he did that's profound or that was impactful that has lasted while he was governor of New Jersey nothing and the same goes for Larry Hogan when you have this rise of Jew hatred and anti-semitism let me put it to you this way if you had a rise of attacks on black people and black churches but they actually had to hire security guards in all their churches don't you think if Christie went to a black church he'd mention it I don't mean in passing, that that would be the focus of a speech. And then who does he attack? Donald Trump. The reason we keep losing is Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump, to the Israelis, is a hero. To non-secular Jews, for the most part... He's a great man. The things he did in America and the things he did in support of Israel. You're a Republican. You want to be president. You're the former governor of New Jersey. Do you not know these things? You just go there and prattle on like you're on ABC's this week. It's not simply about superficial political commentary, as wrong as you are, Chris Christie. It's about more. And that's why Ron DeSantis gets standing ovations and you don't. Because there's no reason to nominate or elect a Chris Christie. We've been there, we've done that. To no avail. We had a Romney, he doesn't like losing. We had a McCain, he doesn't like losing. Where did Jeb Bush? 
He doesn't like losing. Where did George H.W. Bush, who lost the second time around, but he doesn't like losing. Nothing that he said makes any sense. It's all a strategy, and it's a failed strategy, but it's, it's a pile on. Trust me, he would take shots at DeSantis. All these governors, please hear me. They're jealous of DeSantis. They're jealous of DeSantis. That's why Larry Hogan was taking shots when DeSantis sent illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard. Because Larry Hogan doesn't comprehend why that was important. He thought it was a stunt. Larry Hogan doesn't comprehend a lot. He's not a very bright guy. And then he says, I don't know if DeSantis wants to run. You know, so what? He's going to fill the void? There's a reason why Joe Biden and Gruesome Newsom keep attacking DeSantis. They fear him. They fear him. And other Republican governors do, too. They do. The Democrats want bipartisanship on their terms. The Republican establishment wants unity on their terms. They're not going to get it. Not from me. And not from millions of you. It's not going to happen. I have a story here from USA Today, actually a column by a great columnist, Glenn Harlan Reynolds. Instapundent is his site. Decades ago, the Ivy League colleges thought they had a problem. Too many Jews. These recent immigrants from a culture that prized education and achievement had an unfortunate characteristic. They worked harder, studied longer, and carried, cared more about school. In short, they had all the attributes required for success in the Ivy League. Problem was, the Ivy League didn't want them. Being first-generation students, these applicants didn't have rich alumni parents. Be likely to donate big bucks. Being from an ethnicity not associated with America's governing class, they didn't help the Ivy League with its biggest selling point. That going to college there provides an opportunity to rub shoulders with America's governing class. And they were seen as boring grinds who studied hard and weren't much fun. The result was a change in admissions criteria to reward so-called leadership and well-rounded candidates a thin disguise for those in charge and following closely on actual quotas for Jewish students so that no matter how many applied their numbers on campus would stay just about the same and uh, Glenn Reynolds is a professor of law by the way though by then conveniently enough the Ivy League was able to find Jewish applicants with plenty of money polishing governing class connections without too much trouble but while the quotas for Jews are gone the Ivy League now by all accounts has quotas for Asian students They're seen as people who study too hard, boring grinds, who aren't much fun, and of course, their parents aren't as rich and connected. And though the numbers of highly qualified Asian applicants have grown dramatically, the number of Asians admitted stays pretty much the same every year. Now the Asian students are suing in a lawsuit against Harvard. They're claiming that Harvard demands higher qualifications from Asian students than from others, and that it uses racial classifications to engage in the same brand of invidious discrimination against Asian Americans it formally used to limit the number of Jewish students to its student body. 
These claims are almost certainly correct. Discrimination against Asian students, and not just by Harvard, but throughout higher ed, has been an open secret for years. Asian students, we're told, face a bamboo ceiling as a result. And where today's discrimination is different from the Ivy League's old quotas against Jews is that the old quotas were removed as part of efforts to fight racism. The Ivy League's new quotas, meanwhile, are often defended on the same grounds, or at least as means of attaining diversity. And that's harder to do in a nation that is made up of minorities. In the old days, affirmative action was about overcoming white resistance to opening up institutions to blacks. If a black student with a lower SAT score got a spot in college at the expense of a white student, well, that white student probably benefited to some degree from growing up or having had parents who grew up in a racially segregated society. That's the argument. And given many white institutions' history of lying and foot dragging when it came to desegregation, affirmative action was said to be a way of ensuring that we got results, not excuses. But it's been more than 60 years since Brown versus Board of Education, and what's more, racial issues in America are no longer black and white. The Vietnamese child of both people or the Indian untouchable immigrant who applies to Harvard, they didn't benefit from racial segregation and probably overcame more obstacles pre-college than an African-American born in New York. Why should these Asian applicants be disadvantaged so universities can ensure that there aren't too many of the wrong kind of people on campus? Thirty years ago, he writes, my old law professor, Burke Marshall, wrote an article in the Yale Law Journal on non-discrimination in a nation of minorities. He opined that affirmative action was still about breaking down the white power structures. Maybe that was still true in 1984, but now universities, all of which, including private schools like Harvard, are heavily fed by taxpayer funds. They're engaging in racial discrimination in order to produce what they regard as a pleasing bouquet of race and ethnicity. Is that a good enough reason to deny individuals a fair chance? I don't think so. And I suspect the courts will feel the same way. Well, that's interesting because our new judge, who needed a biologist to tell her she was a female with a vagina, I guess, uh, our new judge... When the oral argument was made, she defended using the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment against minorities she was not particularly supporting for special privileges. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Marxist left is invidious. It's heinous. Nobody should be discriminated against. As an individual, why are you representing a group? As an individual, why are you even representing history? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. There's literally no reason to pay Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile over $80 a month for wireless when you can get the same service on the same network at Pure Talk for half the price. Yep, talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Those other guys are making you pay for thousands of retail stores you don't go into, perks you don't use, and massive profits to keep their shareholders happy. You know who Pure Talk wants to keep happy? Their customer, you. That's why they've invested in a U.S.-based customer service team. It's why they give you more data options than unlimited, because they won't charge you for data you don't need. I switched to Pure Talk because I like supporting a company owned by a U.S. veteran. I like supporting a company who supports me and my values. And I invite you to switch to pure talk too they're my guys switch to pure talk in less than 10 minutes 
Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Christie also compared Trump to the John Birch system, who uh, Bill Buckley had denounced some time ago. I think Reagan denounced some time ago. What does the John Birch Society have to do with Donald Trump? You go in front of a group of people and you just start raging on and on like this? They fly your fat ass out to Las Vegas? By the way, Las Vegas has great buffets. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? Which gets me to thinking, the only thing that Chris Christie has ever led is a rush to a buffet. Do you know this? Golden Corral, isn't that the name of it? And don't ever get in the way. I could see that buffet, man. I could see that that Chris Christie and Bill Barr there, man. Tell you what, better stock up on inventory. Eat those crab legs like uh, like they're going out of style. Haven't we offered before... Uh, Mr. Christie to come on this program, Mr. Producer? I know we have. In the past, when he was running for president, remember that? Sort of the Harold Stassen of New Hampshire. He couldn't bust out of New Hampshire, but look what he does. Look how he trashed Marco Rubio. Look how he goes around trashing people. I would love to debate this guy. I could rip him to pieces. I could educate him on how to debate. Chris, you're welcome to come on the program. You really are. John Burt Society? You really have lost your mind. The John Audubon Society? Maybe. John Burt Society? No, I don't think so. Think you can get elected, ladies and gentlemen? Not even in New Jersey. I'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492. 800-630-1492. Or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here, our number. We will take some calls later in hour three, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I was waiting for Chris Christie to quote another Reagan phrase, but of course he wouldn't do that. 
his 11th commandment, thou shalt not speak ill of another Republican. What about you, Mark? I'm not running for office. Period. I'm not running for president. I'm running from the president. See what I'm saying? So, um, that he'll never say. Anyway, he'll never get elected. He Too much Hillary Clinton with the, you know, the disparaging of tens of millions of people. I'm surprised he didn't say, uh, and the deplorables. No. And the deplorables. Any more spare ribs, sweetie? This is really an outrage. I mean, it's one after another here. Not to pile on the Daily Mail. Ready for this one, America? Biden agrees to pay climate reparations. U.S. will pay up to $1 billion to compensate developing countries for global warming. But gas-guzzling China won't have to pay into global fund. All right, this is so horrific on so many levels. First of all, since when does a president have the power to just blow off a billion dollars like that? That's your money. That's my money. So they want to hire 87,000 new IRS agents to shake us down so leftists can get the money, so public sector unions can get the money, so third worlders can get the money, so they can redistribute wealth. Meanwhile, you are attacked as a hardworking American. It's just just unbelievable. And people vote for this. What a chance to put an end to this whole damn thing. Oh, Trump's... You ready to hear this? You got to hear it. Joe Biden says the U.S. will sign up to a U.N.-backed fund to pay reparations to developing countries worse affected by climate change. So it, it just never ends. You see, climate change. If you were to ask Joe Biden, what is climate change? He couldn't even define it. What is it? How do they define it? What is it? Well, one degree southeast in Bolivia, based on our 112-day record-keeping score, they can't even define it. It is utterly elusive. But it is their religion, so it doesn't matter. And then you keep going. You've got to constrain what individuals can do. You've got to constrain and destroy capitalism. You have to have environmental justice reparation payments. It's just a whole new commie ideology that is Americanized. The creation of the fund was announced on Saturday. It was negotiated at the United Nations COPT7, 27 rather, summit in Egypt, was originally known as a loss and damage fund and had been blocked by previous American administrations. But Joe's out there and he wants to make a legacy, America. He is for the little guy while he's destroying the little guy. The nations who benefit from the funds are largely from Asia, Africa, Latin America, the Caribbean, the South Pacific. They say they were set to be worse affected by rising sea levels and other weather extremes blamed on carbon emissions created by wealthier countries. There you go. It's that damn capitalism. Why aren't they paying us for all the lush vegetation that they have as a result of carbon dioxide, Mr. Producer? They should be paying us. Why are we paying them? Last year, Biden was granted $1 billion, uh uh-oh, 
to help developing countries tackle climate change, although it's unclear if that cash will go into this fund. It doesn't matter. He'll take a billion dollars out of the Defense Department to do that. The president also faces uh, having his plan stymied by the GOP majority House, which would have to approve any funding mooted by the White House. But he gets around that. And then he has to have the law catch up with him, remember? Like the student law. All you suckers. All you millennial suckers who voted for Joe Biden because you thought he was Santa Claus. You thought you were going to get free money from the rest of us. Now what do you think? Bunch of suckers. There will be wrangles with fellow UN members over who pays what. Which could well mean nothing gets done. Yes, let's hope. Donald Trump famously pulled the U.S. out of the 2015 U.N. Paris Accord on climate change. You know what? That took guts. And it was a great move. He's trying to save the American worker. Saying it represented a bad deal for America. With DeSantis known to share many of the 45th president's views. China, the worst and world's biggest polluter. Ready? Wouldn't have to contribute to any global fund because it's still considered a developing nature. Yes, developing ICBMs with nuclear warheads aimed at our cities. So despite its vast wealth, China's a developing country. They don't have to pay into this system. Have you ever seen a country more hell-bent on sabotaging itself, on committing suicide? Have you ever seen a country more hell-bent on it? It's really shocking. I haven't. But we had our chance. Just weren't enough of us. Just weren't enough of us. The German disaster. German, a disaster? Do tell. Well, there's an official in Germany who's now recommending stockpiling several crates of water and canned food. That's America in three years, if we don't get this thing under control. Germany was the wealthiest nation in Europe, the most industrial nation in Europe, the most self-sufficient nation in Europe, and now it's on its back. This is at Zero Hedge. The head of Germany's Federal Office of Civil Protection and Disaster Relief, BBK, Ralph Tesla, has warned citizens to prepare for short-term power outages, particularly in January and February, and to stock up on rations in advance. He said, we have to assume that there will be blackouts this winter, You folks in New England, New York area, Pennsylvania, you should pay attention because this is you soon. We have to assume that there, and uh, thanks for voting for Biden, those who did. Uh, You're going to get what you voted for. We have to assume there will be blackouts this winter. By that I mean a regional and temporary interruption in the power supply. The cause will not be energy shortages, but also the targeted temporary shutdown of networks by operators with the aim of protecting the networks and not endangering the overall supply. We call that rationing. Some municipalities are not prepared, and despite German gas storage facilities being near capacity, experts think the stockpile will be enough to last the country through the winter, excuse me, won't be enough uh, due to a lack of new supply from Russia. Oh, yeah, that's it. Well, in their case, it is because 60%, ready for this? 60% of their fuel they got from Russia. Now, who told them to cut it out? Mr. Producer, who told them to cut it out? The John Birch Society? No. 
Trump told him to cut it out. Did Christie tell him to cut it out? No. When I think of energy, I don't normally think of Christie. Do you, Mr. Producer? But now I am in a grotesque, like methane. You realize Christie probably gives off two or three times the amount of methane as an average American? Wouldn't you guess that? And Bill Barr's probably up there somewhere. Just a guess. I, I mean, I, you know, inquiring minds don't want to know in my case. But you get the point. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, listeners to this program know that Lisa Murkowski, with the aid of McConnell and others, destroyed the voting system in Alaska. And we're still trying to find out who is the senator from Alaska, so I thought we would check in with our friend Kelly Shabaka, and she could help us figure this out. How are you, Kelly? Mark, it's so great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me again. How are you? We don't forget. We don't forget. What the hell's going on up there? (laughs) We're still waiting to determine the final outcome of the election. As you know, the actual election was on November 8th. I think we have the least amount of votes to count in the 50 states, and we will take the longest to count them. And a large part of that is because they implemented this ranked choice system that George Soros funded organizations are trying to push throughout the United States. There are only two states that have it statewide at this point. That's Maine and Alaska. And we know what those two U.S. senators have in common. And we're dealing with it for the first time up here in Alaska. One of the things that we saw as an effect is one of the lowest voter turnouts that we've seen in decades. And unfortunately, I think that that has had a real big impact on the results. So for 10 days or so, I was leading substantially over Murkowski. And then just here recently, it has flipped. She has a 0.7% lead over me. The election is not done yet. They still have to run the ranked choice algorithm where the fourth and the third place candidates will drop off. And depending on who they ranked as their second place and third place preferences, that's ultimately going to determine who wins this race. So we're still in this fight. This could go to a potential recount. This could go to people filing lawsuits. So I'm asking your listeners for help. Please help us at kellyforak.com. I don't know what twists and turns will come next, but I will need help. So kellyforak.com. We've also had to pay for staff costs this whole time for doing the ballot observations for weeks now, and that's been pretty pricey as well. So if you can help, I'd appreciate it. kellyforak.com. Let's get that up on our social sites, Mr. Bedusa. This is just terrible. Absolutely terrible. You can't just have a a face-to-face, woman-on-woman election. They, they go through all this rigmarole to try and deny somebody like you. I thought California had this process, too, no? I think they do in some of their local elections, but not statewide. And what we've seen is, resoundingly, the voters are trying to get rid of it. They don't understand it. And that's what I saw in these last several weeks. Most of the stuff I was doing was voter education on how ranked choice works. People just don't understand how is it that the person who could have the most votes doesn't ultimately win the election. That's really confusing. Um, They're trying to figure out kind of like game strategy. If I want my candidate to win, how do I rank a ballot? And they've destroyed the the primary system. So conservatives don't have a say when you're dealing with an establishment Republican. They can't just stop them as their representative. 
Well, it's not just that. It's the Democrats, too. So, for example, in our race, we literally had an actress from California come up here, change her name, pretend to be an Alaskan to try and become our U.S. senator. Could you imagine? She has dark money funded and everything. If we had fallen for that and if it hadn't been exposed in time and we'd elected a fake person, an actress from California funded by dark money to be our next U.S. senator, That's how crazy the system is, because you don't have parties actually vetting candidates to say this person's legitimate. They stand for what we believe and they can run with our name. And that's what's actually here worked for Murkowski's advantage. She's been thrown out of the Republican Party. She's not a member. She's been told she cannot be a member. She cannot use the Republican name. She's been officially censured. It didn't stop her. She decided she's going to call herself a Republican anyway. We can see from the votes the actual Democrat candidate has only 10 percent of the votes. So where did all those Democrats go? They ranked her number one. Murkowski's our putative Democrat candidate, but she has an R behind her name because in Alaska, you can't be a U.S. senator and not be a Republican. This really should have been a race between me and the Democrat candidate. But Murkowski's on the ballot anyway, and that's because of ranked choice election. Although I have to say that actress you spoke about probably could have gotten elected uh, in Pennsylvania because uh, <laughs> they elected uh, Fetterman, and that will go down in history as really the biggest crackpot elect, uh, Democrat nominee in American history, and there's been a lot of them. Uh, but So I think it would work there in my home state of Pennsylvania. So you need support in order to continue to fight, to count these ballots and so forth. Are you getting any from Mitch McConnell? I I did not get support from Mitch McConnell. I think we saw, I mean, this story is still evolving. We saw today our mouths drop open as we see that FTX gave over $2 million to McConnell. They gave money to Murkowski. They gave money to all the Democrats. But why is McConnell on that list with all these Democrats? McConnell's Senate leadership fund that worked so hard to tank my campaign and preserve a minority in the Senate when that's not his job. His job as leader is to make sure we Republicans have a majority. Let me, um, let me get this straight, and I'm a little behind the curve. So this crook, this um, FTX guy... Gave $2 million to the Senate Leadership Fund, McConnell's fund? I was sent uh, an article today that said $2.5 million from FTX went to Senate Leadership Fund, and we know that McConnell pledged over uh, up to $9 million spent in Alaska. I think we still have to see how much the actual receipts were to, to make sure Murkowski preserved that Senate seat. Yeah, you got it. Wow, I wonder how much oversight he's going to support and whether he's going to be witness and testify and his buddy Steve Law, who runs that Senate Leadership Fund. Sounds pretty corrupt. Well, But they're not so helping the, you, you now, you, of course. No, of course not. And McConnell is all behind making sure that Murkowski can keep this. Our campaign is of the people, by the people, for the people, making sure Alaskans actually have a voice that we can get our Senate seat back. There was a guy right before the election who told me, no, Kelly, I'm voting for you because I'm tired of us Alaskans being a pawn in the D.C. game. And I thought, man, that sums this whole thing up. And Murkowski said in her own launch video, in this election, lower 48 outsiders are going to flood our state with dark money to try and buy our Senate seat. They don't care about you and they don't care about your future. And Mark, she's absolutely right. That's exactly what's been happening up here for decades. She just didn't disclose that it was going to be on her behalf. And that's what happened. Her campaign was of Mitch McConnell by dark money for Lisa Murkowski. And that's exactly what's happening across the United States. You've got this establishment regime 
you know, two heads of the same beast telling all of us people out here in America exactly how it's going to go down. And we, the people, are tired of it, and we have something to say about it. I'll tell you, having started with next to no name recognition last March, uh, we put up a really good fight, and I'm not done fighting. This this race isn't over. We're going to see it out through this week, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. But in the event that McConnell and Murkowski were able to buy this Senate seat, we're not done up here in Alaska. We've started a movement, and I'm not going to stop. I think that we've still got a lot of runway to go, and we're not just going to throw our hands up and say, well, they won and we're defeated, because we're not. This is not stopping, and I'm not stopping. We're going to continue to fight, fight for Alaska and fight for America, and I'm going to keep going. Well, we appreciate that, and uh, you are a very solid person. And let me ask you a question, and I don't mean to be personal, but you're in an interracial marriage. Isn't that correct? Yeah, that's right. My husband's dad's from Democratic Republic of Congo, and my husband grew up in Africa. Okay. So the Senate votes, it's, it's like Ginny and Clarence Thomas, interracial marriage, and they vote to codify the right to interracial marriage. Did you have difficulty getting married because you're of one race <laughs> and he's of another? Uh, no, there is a, a Supreme Court case on this Loving versus Virginia that's decades old <laughs> that allows me and my husband to be married. So, I'm th- so why did they vote on that? It's so ridiculous you know, because I, they're trying to send a lesson that the Supreme Court's out of control. And unless you vote on that, you're going to oppose. Stick with me. Don't hang up. We're going to be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're with Kelly Shabaka, who would make a great senator from Alaska. Kelly Shabaka, has Mitch McConnell ever called you or spoken to you? Are you there? Yes. Mark, can you hear me? I'm here. Yeah. Has he ever spoken to you? No, Mitch McConnell's never spoken to me. I doubt at this point he will, unless we win on Wednesday, then I, I think we'll have some more. But early on, he never wanted to... You know, see what you're like, talk to you, go discuss the issues, and so forth. He, he never asked you. Never placed a call to the endorsed Republican candidate from Alaska. Remember, the Alaska Republican Party selected me to be our candidate and censured Murkowski and removed her from membership. So I am his Republican candidate in Alaska. Never placed a call, no. What about uh, 
Carl Rove. He kind of works his way uh, under the radar, but he works very, very closely with McConnell. They they cooperate often on who they're going to support and so forth. Do you know if he got involved in your race? I don't have any reason to think Carl Rove did, but I do know that GW threw a pretty large fundraiser for Murkowski in Texas. Well, that wouldn't have happened without Karov. That I can tell you. Now. I agree so with jo- you. Yeah. So George W. Bush threw a fundraiser for Murkowski. Correct. Yep. And the senator from Texas, not Mr. Cruz, but the other one who works closely Cornyn. with exactly who works closely with McConnell, also did a large fundraising tour through Texas for her. So you've got the whole establishment working on behalf of Murkowski, who votes 80 percent of the time with Joe Biden, has confirmed his nominees in this cabinet, the radical nominees who are shutting down our oil and gas industry and helping to open up our border for all of the illegal immigration problems that we're having. Um, She's Biden's right hand person in the Senate. You can't have the Biden administration having the success it does. We all know how the Constitution is established with the checks and balances that it has in order for Biden to get this far with the Senate split the way but it let, is. But let me go on before we run out of time. The Republicans. So mm-hmm. you had John Corning campaigning for Murkowski against you, obviously George W. Bush. And you also had Tim Scott supporting exactly. your opponent, didn't he? Yep, exactly. And even when it was exposed on undercover videos that she and her campaign staff and her allies rigged this ranked choice system in her favor, they took that to Tim Scott and said, would you pull back? And he said, no. And even though he must know that the National Education Association is her biggest supporter, I don't know how we get... She brags about that and and other extremely liberal unions up here. I mean, up here, it's Democrats who are running her campaign. We all know that. Um, and, And he still wouldn't pull back on that. So, I mean, as we know, it's all establishment. Do we know anyone else? Oh, goodness. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of those senators up there. When you go and print the FEC contribution reports, a whole bunch of those Republican senators dropped, you know, 10,000 here, 10,000 there to support her. Uh, John Thune is supporting her, et cetera. John Thune. So the whole whole Mitch McConnell consigliere group. You got it. That that stands behind him like they're at a funeral every time he's at a press conference. (laughs) Every one of them, or or most of them... Yeah, that's what we're up against here in Alaska. You know, our economy is tanked. We have a housing crisis in every single community. Alaskans, we're eating the food that we canned, that we caught and that we killed. There's not another state in the nation that's having to live the way that Alaskans are living. And try as we might, you know, we've got a great candidate that rises up and says, I'm not afraid of the Murkowskis. I'm not afraid of this 50 year monarchy. I'm not afraid of Mitch McConnell. I'm going to do this. And we have a tsunami of dark money that comes in and and smears my reputation with a whole slanderous fest of lies, all from McConnell, to persuade just a couple thousand people. I mean, she's not even 2,000 votes ahead of me at this point. That's how close this is, this race is. And I don't know how it's going to ultimately turn out, but it just goes to show. um, Let's slow down. Let's slow down. You're a newcomer. Her family's been in office for half a century. Her name is well known. And she barely has a lead. They rigged, and what we mean by rigged is they legally rigged the system. So you can't call it fraud, but they legally rigged the system. So she wouldn't have to go through a primary, in effect, where the Republicans would throw her out. You were the endorsed Republican candidate. And she needed millions and millions and millions from Mitch McConnell and Thune and Cornyn, support from Tim Scott and others. How, How do these guys live with themselves? 
It's amazing. <laughs> I think I don't think it's about us, the people anymore. I think everything that you've talked about and written about is exactly right. It's just about holding on to power at any at any cost. And the cost is our paychecks. It's our petroleum. It's our pistols. It's our parental rights. We could just go on and on. We're all feeling it in our pocketbooks every day. We're feeling it at the pump. We're the ones feeling it. We can't pay for the heating in our homes this winter across Alaska. I'm not exaggerating. People are panicking. No, and let me tell you something. All the liberal Democrats in New Hampshire vote for Bernie Sanders types and uh, Massachusetts and elsewhere. Uh, They're going to pay a price for their vote now. They'll blame big oil all they want. Big oil up in Alaska is busting to do more drilling, as they are all over the country. They all want to build more pipelines. They all want to do these things. And the Democrats, they run uh, on both sides of the aisle, which is uh, both sides of the train track. Uh, big oil won't produce oil. And then on the other side, big oil must not produce oil. And you got their voters who are dumb as hell. I'm just telling you my own opinion. That yeah, 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 yeah. I don't care if they went to Ivy League schools and have 14 degrees. They don't know how you get oil. And there they are voting for the same person who's now going to impoverish them. All right, Kelly, keep us informed, okay? Thank you, Mark. I'm at kellyforak.com, and I'll keep you posted on what happens. Appreciate you. That's kellyforak.com. All right, God bless, and have a happy Thanksgiving if you can. God bless you. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, you too. sad, isn't it? Meanwhile, you have these people in Washington, D.C. Well, does Mitch McConnell spent millions? Well, what about this? No, no, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Trump. But McConnell's the putative head, believe it or not, of the Republican Party in many ways, certainly the Senate. Donald Trump's not. I don't care. You know, Trump, we got to talk about Trump. But let's put, again, let's put Trump behind us, but let's not stop talking about him. Only if it's negative. Only if you're cheerleading for him to be indicted. Then you can talk about him. That's okay. All right, I want to get to one more piece, then we'll get to some calls after the break. It's just in the Free Beacon, the Washington Free Beacon, one of the great sites. You ready for this? This is by Aaron Sabarium. 44% of medical schools, 44% of medical schools, have tenure and promotion policies that reward scholarships on, quote, diversity, inclusion, and equity, unquote. 70% make students take a course on, quote, diversity, inclusion, or cultural competence, unquote. And 79% require that all hiring committees receive, quote, unconscious bias, unquote, training, or include, quote, equity advisors, unquote, people whose job it is to ensure diversity among the faculty, This poison is everywhere. Everywhere. Now it's in our medical schools. It's going to be in your doctor's office. It's going to be in your surgeon's operating room. This poison is everywhere. Those are just some of the findings from a new report by the Association of American Medical Colleges, which together with the American Medical Association, accredits every medical school in the United States. The report, quote, the power of collective action Assessing and advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts at AAMC Medical Schools, unquote, is based on a survey of 101 medical school deans, representing nearly two-thirds of American medical schools, who were given a list of diversity policies and asked to indicate which ones they have implemented. 
The results paint a striking portrait of ideological capture. At many medical schools, concerns about social justice have saturated every layer of institutional decision-making, particularly the hiring and admission processes, a trend some doctors say will undermine meritocracy and endanger patients. The report indicates that more than a third of medical schools offer extra funding to departments that hit diversity targets. Half require job applicants to submit diversity statements, and over two-thirds, quote, require departments, units, to assemble a diverse pool of candidates for faculty positions, unquote. In addition, every school reported using, quote, holistic admissions processes. That means race discrimination. A euphemism for affirmative action that assessed applicants' grades and test scores in light of their race, lowering the academic bar for groups underrepresented in medicine, quote-unquote. Quote, we're dealing with life and death here, said Jeff Singer, a general surgeon from Arizona. This guy's got guts. I want to know that my doctor got their degree because they're smart and know what they're doing. Well, why should they be different than the president? He's stupid and doesn't know what he's doing. Released November 10th, the report comes in the wake of a year-long campaign by the Association of American Medical Colleges to inject, quote, quoting them, diversity, equity, and inclusion into the accreditation process. A year ago, the group put out guidelines calling meritocracy, quote, ready for this, a malignant narrative, unquote. A view critics said at the time would lower admission standards and endanger lives. And in July, it required all medical schools, all, to incorporate, quote, diversity, equity, and inclusion lessons into their curricula, stating that they should impact a critical understanding of unjust systems of oppression. The survey appears to have been part of that campaign. All schools that completed it received a score grading their DEI efforts, which marked any policies not implemented as areas for improvement, quote-unquote. And one of the best uses of the survey, the report said, is for schools to show they're meeting the, quote, accreditation requirements for DEI. In other words, they're not going to get accredited unless they take this bogus poison and impose it. Feeling the heat of these requirements, medical schools have lowered standards for all students, even the top performers, to avert a scenario in which dropout rates explode. Once you take in a cohort of students who struggle, you have to ratchet down the entire curriculum, said uh, Stanley Goldfarb, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School, a Washington Free Beacon enthusiast, and the father of Free Beacon chairman Michael Goldfarb. So everyone gets through with much less rigorous courses. If you're bleeding out from a gunshot wound, you need the doctor who knows how to save your life, not the one who can tell you about implicit bias, said Lara Logan, uh, Lara Morgan, a nurse in Dallas, Texas, who lost her job at a teaching hospital. Baylor Scott and White Health, after she refused in a recent diversity training to affirm that all white people were racists. You believe this, Rich? This is sickening. It goes on and on. We will post to this. This is, this is unbelievable. Let me just say this. We have a daughter in this family who is working every damn waking moment to get into medical school, to get out of medical school with honors, to get into medical school uh, and, and into a hospital, Johns Hopkins, uh, working every day, Working, 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 studying, 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 researching, researching, researching. That's her life right now. 
This is an abomination, an absolute abomination. It disgusts me. You don't get accredited unless you racially discriminate. This Christmas, Redland Cotton is inviting you to bring the farm home. What do I mean by that? You already know that every bit of cotton used in Redland Cotton sheets, towels, quilts, and loungewear is grown on the Yeager family farm in North Alabama and manufactured entirely in the USA. This is just one of the many reasons why I love them so much, but this commitment to America is nothing new for Redland Cotton. For six years, Redland Cotton has been bringing up has been bringing you bedding, towels, loungewear, and more direct from their family farm with a transparent and sustainable supply chain. This allows their customers to enjoy American-made quality while supporting their American friends and neighbors. This Christmas, bring the farm home to your family and friends with the heirloom-inspired softness and comfort of Redland Cotton. Find your best gifts ever and save 30%, 30% now, with my code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, that's LEVIN30, L-E-V-I-N-3-0 at redlandcotton.com. That's 30% off, 30% with redlandcotton.com, code LEVIN30, redlandcotton.com, code L-E-V-I-N-3-0, and bring the farm home this Christmas. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Thanksgiving is coming up. Gee, were you aware of that? We have a lot to be thankful for. We are deeply blessed. We have a lot of work to do so that our children and grandchildren, generations yet born, are deeply blessed too. We're definitely at a crossroads. We're at the precipice slipping into the abyss. And while we have our families to turn to and our friends to turn to, And that's normally enough. We've got to do more. And I will talk more about that tomorrow before I leave for Thanksgiving. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, thank God for you, our brothers in Taiwan, our brothers in Ukraine and all over the world. I wish you all the best. How about you say we join here tomorrow, same time, same place. See you then.